Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the latest episode of the Synth 71 podcast. My name's Stuart. I'm the founder of Synth 71. And today I'm joined by two special guests, Nick Andrews Gavan from the Wolves Women's Podcast and Chris Gadsby, the host of Women's Football Chat on YouTube and also the Nottingham Forest Women's Stadium announcer. While some publications like to pick out their team of the season, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Inspired by the East and West Conference NBA All-Star Match, we thought we'd try and do something similar, but for uh, for women's football, um, by compiling our FA Women's National League's North and South All-Star team, with the only stipulation being that in collating our lineups, we can only include a maximum of two players per club. So uh, we've had some fun putting this together. Um, Nick's had some real issues because being a, a Wolves uh, podcaster and a Wolves fan, he's trying to have to limit down two players from a, a championship winning team, which uh, certainly won't be easy. But um, before we start going straight into that, I want to uh, introduce our guests. So if I could start with Chris, how are you doing today? Are you well? Yes, hello. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, been a uh, busy day at work, which I wasn't expecting, but uh, yeah, very well, thank you. Excellent. And so how has the season been for you? Yeah, very busy, really. Um, I, I mean, I've not got to as many Forest Women games as I'd have liked because they clash with my work at the BBC relatively often. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a positive season, moved in the right direction, not finished as high up the table as, as we perhaps would have liked, but only three points away from, from third place. So uh, it's it's been a positive uh, season, plans already in, in place for next year with uh, with open trials and uh, season tickets have been announced today um, as well as we're recording this for uh, for Forest Women. So uh, yeah, hopefully going to be uh, back bigger and better next year with maybe not Wolves in the league. Fingers nice crossed. if we didn't have Wolves in the league. <laughs> I, I must admit, I was um, really impressed with um, everything that I saw from Nottingham Forest when I went up to the... Uh, the National League plate final um, against Wimbledon. Uh, a really good, solid team. Played some fantastic football. Um, thoroughly deserved it. And in Andy Cook, I think they've got a superb manager and a, and a thoroughly nice bloke. So um, it, I like to see them do well. When I was um, when I was a, a young kid, um, I never really support one football team, but I always used to like players. And um, there was only one Stewart. Growing up, I played football. Stuart Pearce, of course, and mm. he was uh, spent most of his time at Nottingham Forest. So, Nottingham Forest is a club that is always that does always have a special place in my heart. Um, 
but I just want to talk about a little bit more about this, the stuff that you do with women's football, sort of more public facing. So last year, beginning of the season, you decided to launch Women's Football Chat on YouTube, um, which is a show dedicated to talking about the previous week's National League action, um, something that I really appreciate and uh, watch on a weekly basis because I, I still feel that the National League is the, the best tier of all the uh, women's pyramid, but we'll, we'll go into my reasons for that later on. But um, what inspired you to start the show in the first instance? Um, I, you've kind of touched on it a bit there in the sense that I had a look around and nobody was doing anything like that. Um, and you, know, you were relying on the on the full-time website and the FA Women's National League Twitter, which you know, 99% of the time is, is pretty good. But being all run by volunteers under pressure to get it out is occasionally there's the odd thing slips through. Um, so I thought that because nobody kind of did anything like that, where they rounded everything up in, in one place and looked ahead, uh, that it'd be you know, a good idea to give people a bit of an indication, see how the tables are changing week to week, where I was adding in you know, graphics to show teams jumping up and, and teams going down. And uh, yeah, it just kind of grew from there, kept coming up with with ideas. I did the um, the, the mock cup draw um in around november time which is still the most popular thing on on the channel this year so far which clearly shows the desire for that and uh yeah just kind of plugging away really and, and trying to get a bit more name out there for for women's football well you're doing a brilliant job you're doing an absolutely superb job it is uh as you say the the national league itself is is run by volunteers which I don't think many people quite realise when they're they're throwing stick their way for things like mm. why aren't they doing this, why aren't they doing that? Well, because they haven't got the money to do that. I always used to be a little bit critical of of their Twitter. Um, there was very little play, shared, including uh, fixtures and results. But this year they've been superb at that, mm. um, putting out their own graphics in quite quick time. I have the notifications turned on for their national league page on twitter so i've noticed the difference this year how my phone will go crazy i'll i'll yeah my, my apple watch is vibrating something chronic and i think oh i must be really popular i must be one of these whatsapp groups but now it's uh it's, it's it's them updating but and and they've been superb and we could probably do in a whole other episode just on the high quality amongst the third and fourth tier and and the drama as well it's it's easily the most dramatic of all the of the divisions um, with so much to play for, it's yeah, it's fantastic, and you're doing a superb job. So, if anyone listening isn't aware of it, then uh, if you get yourselves over to YouTube, you can either search by Chris Gadsby, that's G A D S B Y, or just simply Women's Football Chat. Um, do check it out. It's, might, we might might there be one more episode next week for the um, uh, yeah, final. So- yeah, so my plans are to see this. Normally, I go out on a Tuesday, where I'm going to delay it this week, so we tie in with with this, and then I'll do a short one next week um, about uh, the the playoff final and, and the awards dinner, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, yeah, then see if I do one over summer or not. I've got a couple of ideas for things that uh, that could be a bit interesting, but uh, we'll see. It might take a bit of a break after doing. I mean, come on, this is going to be episode forty for me, so. It's hard work, isn't it? Keeping up to it date. Is, it, is, um, it is. It is. Particularly because really I've got to. Work. I've got to make all the graphics every week myself as well. So every every single week, I'm updating all the tables, the um, you know the the fixtures, the results, looking for any news or the rest of it, things like that. So 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of work good job in itself but um yeah keep up the amazing work and um nick it's great to chat to you again after we previously managed to catch up at the national league finals day while you were there scouting uh, Saturday's playoff opponent, Southampton. Um, have you been keeping since then? I've been well. Um, yeah, so I, we bumped into each other at the, playoff, uh, the uh, League Cup final where I was spying on Southampton. Um, since then, we've w- won a couple of games, small games, you know, Kate, you know <laughs> County Cup final against um, them not who play in Tesco carrier bags, as we say in our parts, uh, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, yeah, that was... Um, Entertaining game, shall we say the least? Um, four excellent goals, and you know, including the penalty by Morph, it was excellent. But I think the the what was really summed it up for us was the well, what was the ent- highlight of the entertainment was Maz Gauntlet's um, silencing of the West Brom fans who had been giving her grief um, throughout the first half, uh, giving her a load of abuse. And uh, having scored an excellent volley, a half volley, she just turned and ran in front of them, just giving them the whole silence and uh, very much telling, putting them back into their place. And what was also nice was the fact that uh, the rest of the team were immediately around her, joining her in that celebration. It wasn't just her doing it, it was that they were, you know, as a team, sort of, they all appreciated how much she'd obviously been going through. And uh, yeah, so that's, it's been a good, good couple of weeks these last few weeks for us. Yeah, I, I did see quite a little bit about that and the uh, the abuse that Maz received. It by all accounts, we, 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 there's been a lot of chat going on about just sort of fan interaction and fan involvement and what is a reasonable line. And I think that whole kind of pantomime level with the boos and the hisses is um, it, it's quite adequate. Um, it's like when you get a goalkeeper lining up to take a goal kick and you get the ooh, and yeah, that is perfectly acceptable. But by all accounts, it got quite personal towards her. So. Yeah. Um, even though I've got some links with West Brom and um, I think they've got some great people behind the scenes, uh, I think it's, it's great. It's great that she shut the fans up, yeah. to be honest, because uh, and then hopefully they 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 took it. Yeah, no, because... it, it, was, it was very much personal. It wasn't the, the theatrics. And to be fair to the West Brom management and the other fans, there they did t- they did you know sort of the, the some of the fans did tell them to shut up at the time, and the management of the club came out and said they weren't happy with that behaviour. And I think, to be honest, I think it was because obviously West Brom season had, you know, sort of damp squib um, for that, certainly for their men's team. Um, that's, but their fans came along, some of their men's fans who hadn't gone to um, women's games before came along and thought that the behaviour that, you know, in a 30,000 seats of stadium, you can get away with, you know, they could get away with it, that same behaviour in a, one fact, you know, in sort of a thousand, at what eight stands out, doesn't it? It's, it does. It stands out a lot yeah. more. So hopefully that will be uh, something that we, a habit that we don't see come across in the men's game. But um, like Chris, you launched your own project in August, the Wolves Women Podcast. Could you tell me a little bit about the origins of the show? Yeah, well, similar to Chris in the sense that there wasn't much coverage of Wolves Women. It was picked up occasionally by sort of other podcasts so the athletics podcast when they had that the express and stars podcast would occasionally mention it and some of the other fan podcasts but no one was doing it in detail and so myself and uh, tom from the wolf pack and a couple of Cy and jess sort of all fans sort of got chatting and went well actually let's do our do our own podcast and see how it goes and it's been it's been great it's been you know as, as we're chatting with chris you're chatting with chris it's it's a lot of work just behind the scenes just to get it to work but it's been really good. It's been really productive and and been really enjoyable. I mean, and helped by the fact of how good a season we've had. 
Um, I think, you know, when we did the, the sort of that first show, our sort of expectations were sort of 20 points and safety. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll go again next season. So this season has very much sort of exceeded those expectations. So which made it more enjoyable. How has it been received from within the club? I, I think sort of, I think if you look at it in sort of a couple of different levels, so we know that Maka uh, and some of the players do listen to it. And, uh, you know, we have had sort of the messages from them just, you know, sort of giving us that support. And, you know, Tom Warren, the reserves manager, always sort of drops us a line of who's scored for the reserves so we can keep that updated. Um, within the sort of the bigger, wider club, I think there's there's starting to be, there's more acknowledgement of Wolves women now. So I think we've, we're starting to be listened to slightly. And I know, um, we had engagement with the commercial team, sort of when they were doing the shirts launch, so we could help push that for them. And also, you know, so that, that side of things has been positive. Um, we have had to be sort of go through sort of, you know, pre- where previously it would be a bit more informal. Um, we have you know, to go through formal channels, which is fine. And that positive, we've had positive response to that. So, for example, we do our sort of player of the month awards. And we've been able to therefore present players with their player of the award, even with the COVID, you know, sort of them, them concerned with obviously COVID restrictions, how we manage that. They've been really supportive of doing that, which has been really good and been really appreciated by sort of the fans and the players as well, that we've had that interaction with them. Brilliant. It's nice that these clubs are starting to realise that effectively you're doing their job for them. Um, who knows, maybe even there might be a little bit of a scope there. We'll make it official one day on the official Wolves Women's podcast. But um, have you found it harder to be critical of the team since you built up this relationship? Or is it not really been an issue because you've just been smashing teams? I think it comes back... Everyone's been doing well. Yeah, well, I think it comes back to just that point about becoming official. I think it's better to be unofficial because therefore we can be a critical friend. Um, and whilst, yes, on the pitch, we've everything's been going well, we can at times call out the club when we think that they are perhaps not um, sort of the, the bigger t- the, the club itself rather than the team. If that makes sense, we can where we think there could be more support. Um, so, for example, um, I know we 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 raised the issue of the fact that the home Black Country derby wasn't streamed, um, and sort of that was raised, and we sort of discussed it on there. Um, Less that we had less control, you know, and Wolves as a club had less control over what West Brom do in their 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 fixture. But obviously, you know, some of those discussions you can have and raise things that maybe the club should be doing more of. Um, and yeah, and it was yeah, we can also make have those little points about. So like in today's or this this week's show, we pointed out that uh, after the uh, home game against not home men's game against Norwich, Wolves women were able to parade two trophies around the Molyneux pitch, um, unlike the men. So we're able to have a little dig at <laughs> dig at that side of things by being being unofficial, but it's all done in a critical friendship response. Therefore, so it's 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 not it's not too bad. But yeah, it's made it's a nice touch. It's a nice touch, and I know that people still want to they want the women's game to grow for obvious reasons. And while I'm one that's happy for it to grow a little bit slower and a little bit more organically, if you do want to win over the ready-made fan base of the men's team, then it's just increasing the exposure. Mm. And if you look and you see a group of players that are parading trophies, you're like, that attracts everyone, ultimately. If your women's team are getting relegated and, and not winning a game and, and playing poor football, then you might struggle. But if they're winning, it it, it gets people's attention. So it's, it's great that the uh, Wolves men are uh, being... 
I say quite open and sort of respectful and welcoming, but it should be it should be a given but it's not always the case so uh, we do have to um, applaud it when it does happen even if it is that what we expect the bare minimum to be when you're wearing the uh, club yeah, shirt yeah no and, and so for example on sunday Connor cody john ruddy were in the or what they say dressing room they were in the um, function room where the women were gathered before they paraded the trophy or after they paraded the trophy and you know come in to see them and sort of congratulate them I don't know whether the other play- that's not saying the other players weren't there. That's just the picture that being tweeted out by one of the coaches was with Connor Cody and and John Ruddy in there with them as well. So it's you know it's a real nice touch to see. Uh, but yeah, you expect yeah, still, it makes a difference. Yeah. It makes a difference that we can all you can all get the men's players to sit down and record a little video to welcome it. But when you see them actively getting involved, it, it makes a big difference. I know that I was speaking to some of the the Man United women um, fans. And they were saying it's great that you get Juan Mata doing videos and things. It's all nice, but you want him at the ground. Like you imagine, if you've got Sir Alex Ferguson turn up at the LSV, that's that's the full seal of approval that you really want to see. And that's when men, male fans from the men's game um, they will real really stand up and take notice. So um, hopefully, it does go to that extra level next year. But that's a whole episode in itself. So <laughs> let's move on to the real reason that we're here. Um, as someone that's uh, South Coast based, um, I haven't been able to watch as much football from the northern half of the National League as I'd liked. Um, I would have hoped to visit more matches over the last few years, but after becoming a father for the first time and the pandemic, um, it's all been a, a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to kind of do something like this for a while and really compare and contrast the two teams, the two, uh, the North and the South divide of the National League. So um, I've been using your expert knowledges from the uh, the, north, the northern side of things um, so we can create our own all-star teams. So want to try and have a little chat about how we got to our conclusions and then we'll maybe we'll decide about who uh, whose team will win um, against each other. So start things off. Chris, what formation are you going to go for and who are you selecting in goal and why? Yes, I mean, we've, we've fought long and hard about this um, and racked our brains over various players because, um, I mean, we started, as you all know, Stuart, but let everyone else know, of thinking that we'll go for one player per team. Uh, and then it quickly became apparent that realistically we'd need two players per team because it was getting a little bit uh, a little bit unrealistic in, in places. So we've gone for a 3-5-2 formation. I'm going to pack pack that midfield out. Um, and yeah, this is, uh, I'll, I'll pass it over to Nick actually for the, for the goalkeeping, because, uh, this is, uh, his suggestion, um, and particularly the, the story behind it. Nick. Yeah. So before I, before I name who it is, I mean, we, we touched on the fact I was, I was struggling to pick the, uh, struggling to pick Wolves players. I'm going to get told off for this one anyhow, because it's not a Wolves player. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, there's some really good goalkeepers in the Northern League and I will call out. So just, just, just to save you, Nick, for any Wolves players that are listening to this, <laughs> you were in his original team. Yeah, I mean, let, yeah, I mean, let's, let's have a look. We told him he could only have two, so therefore. Yeah, uh, but no, Shan, I mean, Shan Turner, you know, Wolves goalkeeper, you know, she's golden gloves for this, for the Northern League. So in theory, you know, you could pick her. However, I've gone with Kira Keating from Fylde um, because you know she went off on loan to to you know, to file from Man City as their Man City's fourth choice goalkeeper, and by the end of the season she's play she's in in and around the first team squad for Man City, coming away with a Conti Cup winners medal, 
and yeah, sort of be, and made first team appearances for a, a top WSL team. So I think for that reason alone, you'd be hard pushed to find uh, a better keeper for the, this. I mean, and also to put some of that into context as well, she's only conceded one goal against uh, Wolves this in 180 minutes worth of football. So she's she's got the lowest goals per game ratio as well, I believe, uh, against certainly against Wolves, certainly where they've played. Uh, 180 minutes, uh, you know, so therefore that's that's why I've gone for Kira Keating in that in the northern goal. So it sounds good. It sounds good. And I had uh, an equally tough decision with uh, my southern team. Um, Honourable mentions uh, must go to uh, Hannah Horton, uh, Portsmouth. Um, superb goalkeeper, not the tallest goalkeeper, but it doesn't matter when you have her tenacity her shop stopping ability and her positional skills, positional sense. Um, height doesn't matter. You just, you get through on ability. Um, but I've actually opted for another South Coast goalkeeper, um, Rosie Kite of Oxford United, um, a goalkeeper that I've seen play many times with Oxford and with Southampton women, where she played last season. Um, she's just a super goalkeeper. She's been in the England youth set up for, uh, a long period of time um, and I, I don't think she gets the credit she deserves the same as Oxford United as a club full stop everyone spends a lot of time talking about Ipswich and Southampton but many probably have forgotten that Oxford actually finished above Ipswich and bar a couple of games that they'd be kicking themselves at losing this season they would have run Southampton even closer for that league um, and as a club they'll be they'll be disappointed but their good form started with um, Rosie at the back. She's um, absolutely tipped up. Um, maybe you might get the slight edge with your goalkeeper there based on the what she's been doing in the WSL, but I certainly think Rosie has got the ability to championship level, definitely, um, bearing, just considering where she is now. WSL in future? Who knows? She's young enough that the uh, the world is her oyster in that respect. So, um, yeah, okay, on to a good start, I think, with this one. So, if we now move on to the defence. So, Nick, if you want to introduce So, I'll, I'll run through the defence and let Chris jump in with the stats. So, we've gone with the... So, our three defenders were Amy Sim from Derby County, Lindsay Harkin from Nottingham Forest, and Olivia Wilson from Burnley. So, Chris... Yeah, so, I mean, this was, the defence was the second thing I did, actually, after um, looking at the, the uh, at the forward pairing. Um, and it was relatively straightforward to do in the sense that what I did was look at the full table details, look at the teams that had conceded the fewest amount of goals over the course of the season and looked for those you know pillars of the defence, uh, so to speak. So the easiest one for me was Lindsay Harkin, mm. uh, the Nottingham Forest captain. Of course, for me, Sia, uh, pretty much every single game, played uh, 33 games this season, which is pretty much, I think, if not every single game. Uh, and Forrest only conceded uh, you know, 17 goals in the league over the course of the season, where uh, uh, that was only one goal more than uh, more than Wolves. So to have uh, Lindsay Harkin as to, in uh, centre back was an easy decision uh, for me. Uh, similar situation with uh, Amy Sim at Derby County. Uh, you know they've uh, only conceded. Uh, 19 goals. They were the third best defensive team uh, in the league this season. 
Um, and again, Amy Sim, uh, a player there who, uh, or Amy Sim, sorry, um, a better, uh, a player there, 28 uh, games all season, six goals as well. So can, uh, can pop up in the box and uh, get some goals herself. Uh, and then Olivia Wilson as well. That was one of our um, our late entries, should we say, um, into into the team when we were uh, you know, adjusting it for, from one to two. Uh, Burnley, 27 goals conceded this season, which was the uh, the fourth best defensive record. So there's quite a bit of a jump from those top three to, uh, to four. But again, we went for um, a player in there who has played... Uh, you know, kind of the vast majority of games this season, the league games and the cups. So, twenty-nine games played uh, in that. A couple of goals uh, up there as well. Um, played uh, you know, over eleven hundred minutes over the course of the season. Um, so, yeah, we went for a kind of solid uh, back three that could uh, tidy anything up at the back uh, if it gets through the five in midfield. And just quickly, just so just to add on to something about Lindsay Harkin's stats as well or Forest stats to be precise, is four of those goals were, I'll say, were, were were excellent goals from Wolves. So two or three of those were at the, the Forest game. One was at the, at the you know, sort of Forest leg of the, the, the fixtures and one was at the Wolves. And the Morfitt's, um, Anna Morfitt's sort of shot in the, um, in the Wolves, sort of at the Wolves home game against Forest. Well, th- there are those who would argue it was a cross that went, went wide and into the goal. I know what you know. Knowing what Anamorphic can do with the ball, I know it was a shot. Um, but yeah, certainly the two of the goals against um, Forest at, at Forest were, were absolutely stunning goals, and you know, so you know, took some took some beating to get past that Forest defence. So I think that says something about how solid Forest have been at the back. And Lindsay Harkin, you could see, was the rock in that defence when you watch them play. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, I mean that's what you can see from from Forest season. You know, second second in the league in terms of goals conceded, only one behind uh, Wolves, but only in uh, in seventh place in the league in goals scored. So it, it, you can see when you look at those numbers where the not necessarily problems, but where Forest fell a bit short uh, short this season. And as you said, the seventeen goals there, obviously you've got to take into account penalties and, and direct free kicks as well into that. So uh, at the back, yeah, very, uh, very solid this year. I think the interesting thing is going to be here is we're both playing very different systems. Because <laughs> um, So I'm playing 4-3-3, and you'll see with my defence in a minute. But um, I've got some, I've got three good strikers, so... If I can, if I can get, if I can get my three in midfield, can get past your five, or um, then uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating battle anyway. <laughs> but for me, I've tried to stick with right back, left back, two centre backs, but I've used a little bit of creative license <laughs> based on um, my first picks uh, versatility. Um, there aren't too many full internationals in the National League, um, especially at the le- that are going to be competing at the Euros this summer. So um, for someone that is, it's kind of a no-brainer that uh, she's going to be selected. And it's going to be Laura Rafferty of Southampton. The Northern Ireland international is an absolute asset for any team. Superb in the tackle, great distributor, distributor of the ball, strong in the air. And she is definitely, definitely someone that should be still competing in the uh, the WSL. Um, 
or very least the championship. So it's still a massive coup for Southampton that they've managed to get her to trust in the project that they're doing. Um, I think it helped that she's from Southampton, so it is a little bit of a, a bit of a homecoming. Um, but I'm going to be a little bit cheeky. I'm going to play her as a right back, even though she would normally be seen in the centre of the pitch, either in uh, midfield or in centre back. But she's good enough that she can play right back. Um, so I'm using my creative license on that one. <laughs> and my centre back pairing, you ain't getting much change from. And that's Amy Goddard from Bridgewater United and Paige Peak from Ipswich Town. You, with that pairing, it, it's perfect for me. Um, you've got height, power, strength, determination, and Amy Goddard. Um, and that's not to mention the fact that she's a, she's a good footballer as well. She came down from uh, Crystal Palace. So she's another player that should really be at home in the championship at the very least. So that says to you the calibre of player that she is. Um, Paige Peak might not be as well known by some fans, but um, she's that she's one of the reasons why Ipswich have just been flying up the leagues, much like Southampton. Um, she, I think, she was one of the first uh, full-time players that Ipswich signed, and um, she's been a bit of an ever-present throughout the England youth squads. And um, I'd like to see her in the Championship soon, hopefully with Ipswich in the next couple of years. But again, she's got bags and bags of ability. Um, she, I'm liking my team, to be honest. I think I'm, I, feel, I feel I feel like I'm just shading it at the back at the minute. Um, completing the set is uh, another one of Southampton's incredibly versatile players in Ella Morris. Um, she was the uh, player of the season, voted for by the supporters in the 2019 and 20 season. Um, obviously, we then had another COVID curtailed one. Um and I think it was, don't quote me on this if I'm wrong, I apologise. My stats aren't as hot as uh, Chris's, but I think Lucia Kendall may have won this year's one. But um, sadly, I opted for, for two Saints players in the defence and we'll see we'll see why later on. But Ella is absolutely rapid. Mm-hmm. You know when you might watch children play and there's one player that can just almost kick it 10 yards behind the defender and then just out sprint them every time? That's Ella. Like her close control while she's sprinting is some of the best that you'll see in um, football in the UK. Full stop. Um, she is a player that will no doubt make the WSL, um, if not with Southampton, very soon. She's superb. Um, she's someone for you to watch out for, yeah. Nick, on Saturday. To be honest, if she gets space to run in or she's caught one on one, she is as old school as you like when it comes to uh, wing play. And she, you would not want to be defended against her on your own. She is that good and that rapid that you're, you simply you bring her down. Um, if you're not going to make that tackle and you're in your own defensive third, you bring her down because you know you're in big trouble. Because if she's not putting the ball in for someone like Ella Pusey to score, um, she's hitting them herself. She's absolutely top class. Um, I might be being biased, but I think I'm winning in the defence. You might have snuck it with the goalkeepers, but I think I've, I think I've got the defence at the moment. So. Um, We'll move on to midfield where it's going to get really interesting because, as I say, um, you've got five and uh, I've got three. So uh, I might be needing my um, my two forward uh, wing, or my wide forwards to be tracking back out of possession in this one. So <laughs> you've obviously got um, five there. So if I hand over to Chris to uh, introduce them all. Yeah, so in our midfield, we've got uh, Lear J. Emily from Brighouse Town. 
easy decision to put her in. The league's top scorer, 26 goals and plays in uh, midfield, uh, at least according to the uh, to the Brighouse website. So, you know, even though our, our forward two might have a fewer number of goals than, than your forward three, we've got you know, 26 goals from one player. Uh, coming off in the in the midfield there, um, we've also uh, got uh, Rachel Brown, uh, our second Forest player. Again, eleven goals in the centre of midfield. Uh, great dribbler of the of the ball, can take players on, uh, sets a lot of uh, of players up, um, as well as taking the uh, taking the goals herself. Uh, she was very, very she was very good in the uh, plate final. Um, yeah, someone that caught my attention, and although uh, I did look like a bit of a fool afterwards because I initially started chatting to her, and, and I, I thought I was talking to uh, um, Greengrass. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, no. I was. I, I was torn between uh, Rachel Brown and, and, and May Moncaster in midfield from uh, from Forest, the second Forest player, um, but uh, but when Rachel Brown in the end. Uh, Tammy George again as well. I mean, Nick will be able to dive in on this, but twelve goals for the uh, for the season from the thirty-two games. I mean, you'll have seen her uh, week in week out, Nick. Uh, play, I mean, she's just been played, you know, been invited or been uh, the official player of the season by uh, Wolves women. Um, she, yeah, she scores twelve goals. She also only seems to score worlders. Um, so you can pick <laughs> out the last few goals she scored. They're, yeah, they're uh, they're some special goals. Um, there, but she's she's a powerhouse in that midfield. Um, I mean, we're commenting on the um, last our last episode of the pod how sort of her and Summer Holmes have been sort of dominating our midfield, uh, and then sort of when Summer um, unfortunately was suspended, Tammy just steps up, uh, and she's only young and she's dominating the midfield. She's getting in and around. She she's so sort of first COVID season. She was actually away with Spurs, or she was playing for Spurs reserves at the time. And um, obviously, sort of after that, came back, sort of re-signed for Wolves women. And she's looked, you know, sort of has been developing every game since then. And she's just, yeah, she just dominates that midfield. And she, she's, you know, she's sort of that player who will pop up some sort of 25, 30 yards out and just strike a ball and can put it in the back of the net. So, yeah, I mean, it's that one of those sorts of, um, you know, I mean, from a, from a Wolves perspective, she's our Ruben Neves in the in the Wolves women's team. You, you know, it's when you know when she gets on that ball, you're just wanting her to have a have a crack um, and really go for it. But she she can do the do the work in midfield as well and help sort of you know get around. Um, and she set you know she's willing to set the team you know set goals up as well. So she she plays for the team. Um, so yeah, no excellent player. And she will be. I mean, she, there was talk of a championship club sniffing around of this sort of January transfer window and interest in signing for you know signing a. Uh, next time round, but she's at the minute she's sticking with Wolves and and growing with Wolves. She's a local girl, you know, so she wants to she you know she wants to play in the old golden black, um, and we're loving having her in the old golden black. Um, so it was an easy choice in that way for for me to put her in there. Yeah, um, and then we've got uh, Millie Ravening from Burnley, seventeen goals uh, in thirty games as well uh, in midfield again. Uh, we looked at the teams that were towards the top of the table. Looked for the, the you know the standout players in those. Once the forward two had been uh, had been locked down, um, looked for those midfield players that could really pop up anywhere. So seventeen goals uh, for Millie Ravening, and then sorry, just uh, quickly, finally, so Chris just diving in there. Millie Ravening was one of the few players I've seen who are genuinely sort of gone. 
we need her in the Wolves team. You know, she was excellent player, really, really good. And my thought of having her and Tammy George in that centre of that midfield was would scare me if I was facing it. You know, if I was the opposition, um, she's an excellent player. Um, she's dropped down. I think she was in City's academy, uh, City's reserves or City's academy um, last season. She's left them, come and playing for Burnley. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if she doesn't move on to a Championship team next season. She's she's you know she's that that quality. So excellent player. Yeah, I think I missed the Forest uh, Burnley games. Didn't actually get mm. to uh, see her play. Um, and then finally, uh, Faye McCoy from Fylde. 21 goals in 28 games uh, this season. Um, rounding off a total in our midfield of not only five solid players, but 87 goals in our midfield over the course <laughs> of this season. So whilst your front three might have more goals than our front two... I think our midfield is uh, pretty strong. Yeah, I can't argue with that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Faye, Faye McCoy, absolutely superb player. The most underrated player in the National League, full stop for me. She's superb. She's someone that starts for every team that she's playing. Um, and I genuinely believe that. doesn't matter what club you're in. Even your Southampton, Ipswich, uh, Wolves that are competing, for, well, that won the league, she starts for it. And she's obviously so vital to Fylde and where how they had such a good start, a good season. Um, yeah, absolute class. I would, uh, I, I'd, I'd put in for a transfer and uh, see if I can get her in my team uh, in a heartbeat. But um, yeah, so you, you, very, very different styles. But I guess the one thing that helps me is. I've gone for three proper centre mid player centre mid players that uh, I think they, I, th- I think they could uh, I think they could uh, hold their own against uh, the sheer volume of numbers you got there. Um, so to start off with, I've opt- I've opted for uh, Lauren Haynes at Oxford United and Naomi Cole from Crawley Wasps, and we've got a little bit of a bonus Wolves player here for Nick in uh, Leah Burridge who towards the end of the season uh, left Bridgewater United to sign for for Wolves. But um, she spent enough of the season uh, in the Southern Division. So uh, I'm out. Yeah, we'll let you, we'll um, let you have her. Yeah. But then, and with Leah, I've got uh, another versatile player that can play in a multitude of positions. Um, I think with these three, they're just, they are just top pros. Good in tackle. Good communicators. I think all three of them would be in for a shout with the uh, for the captaincy. Um, they take responsibility. They um, they they set the standard, and they're just high quality footballers. Give them the ball; they can look after the ball. Um, they can, they're intelligent, so they know where the pass is. If, if my as long as my wide my wide uh, forwards can uh, tuck back, tuck in, push you out wide, then. Uh, I, th- I think we can hold our own, but um, yeah, we, we're um, yeah, with the yeah, touching it before. <laughs> I think it is completely different, isn't it? I mean, seventeen goals in your midfield to our eighty-seven. You know, it's. I think it's. We, we. I think we've gone for very much this kind of mentality of well, you can score six, but we'll score seven. Sort of, sort of system here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's gonna, it's gonna be be a fascinating one. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to uh, put this out and more to see what everyone else thinks of it because uh, I think there'll certainly be some opinions floating around. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with my midfield. So excuse me. 
So, uh, yeah, going forward, let's find out who's made your uh, your forward line. So, up front, we've got the second Wolves player, league goal scorer for Wolves this season, Amber Hughes. You know, she's scored 25 goals for us this season. Um, and sort of, while she's got off to a slow start, has really kicked on sort of second half of the season um, and, and, you know, has been banging them in. And I think that's um, been helped with the return as well of Maz Gauntlet's fitness. So I think Amber's been absolutely uh, prolific and, and, a, and an excellent signing as well for ourselves. Obviously, she dropped down from Cov United at the end of last season, beginning of this, when Cov United went professional and uh, to carry on. So just jumping in there, was that was that an an, an employment decision? I wonder, is she someone that has a full-time job that almost couldn't take the pay cut to go full-time? I don't know specifically for Amber, but we signed Amber Hughes, Maz Gauntlet, Helen Demodi, another excellent midfielder as well there, and Beth Merrick. Um, all four of them left Coventry at the end of the se- end of last season and joined us at that time. And certainly, if I remember right, it was with Beth's sort of comments when she joined part and parcel. I, mean, I don't think she said specifically, but she indicated that she wanted to keep up her, her teaching. And therefore, that was why she was leaving Coventry. And, and I think, yeah, I think that so there's an element of... Um, not wanting to get professional at that point, that you know, and I'm not going to not say it specifically the money. I think it was the whole whole package and whole setup there. Um, that and that's the specifics of going professional at that point, not specific issues with Cobb United. Um, again, there's, there's a whole episode in, in that in that discussion, yeah, yeah. Uh, and about the game, uh, you know, two discussions one on Cobb United. Um, I'm really glad they survived, um, but also the whole sort of going professional in general as well. But, um, yeah. Definitely. And who's partnering so Amber? So, partnering then? Amber, we've got Ellie Gallant from Derby County, um, who's, you know, another high goal scorer in our league. Um, Chris, I'll let you dive in and sort of fill in the details and the stats there. Yeah, so, finished the league, uh, well, fifth high scorer. Um, and so this is in uh, overall goals as well. Four off the top of, of Lear J, but did it in 28 games as opposed to uh, the, the 36 uh, games of Lear. And the thing that uh, made me put um, Ellie in there over you know, an Evie Priestley or, or a Laura Elford from, from Huddersfield was was the consistency mm. for me. Like obviously reading out these scores and everything every week on my show, I just seem to always, pretty much always be saying a name. Whereas if you look at a, a Laura Elford, she'd pop up with a hat trick and then a brace and then a brace and then nothing for for a few games. So I went with a consistency that you could rely on. Um, saw a play, obviously, at the city ground for the uh, for the Forest Derby match and she scored annoyingly <laughs> from my point of view. Um, but yeah, just the, the, the consistency there as well. So those two uh, up front, uh, yeah, combining... Uh, 24 goals uh, for Amber, 22 goals uh, for Ellie, so 46 goals in total um, up front. Um, so not the uh, the highest uh, up front pairing, but at the uh, at the same time, as said, uh, as we've outlined before, backing them up with that very strong midfield. Yeah, it's good, it's good, but um, compared to mine, not good enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's not I've, just about um, goals, I've... it's about work right as well and everything else that goes Don't say that, goal. Nick. That's what our entire team is based around. <laughs> well, midfield works hard as goal. well to create the goals. Yeah, true, true. Goals win games. And um, so I've opted for uh, two of the Portsmouth forward line in uh, Sherelle Casal and um, Shannon Aubrey. Um, 
between them, they've scored 57 goals um, for Portsmouth and they've been an absolute revelation. Um, Shirelle came down from a couple of seasons with Crystal Palace and after seeing her at Chichester City prior to the Crystal Palace move, you can see how she's progressed as a player and as a person. Um, while I do sponsor her for with Since 71, um, I can take all bias out of it because there's just no she, no doubt that she is the, the, the strongest striker in that division. Um, there are a few others that will be in the shout to argue that and justifiably so, but she, yeah, she's just absolutely quality. She can score every sort of goal that you'd want from close range tap-ins to the goal that she scored to uh, finish the season in a 1-0 win against Ipswich Town. Curled the ball in from the left wing, beat Sarah Quantrill, not a, not an easy feat. Top bins, absolute class. Shannon Albury, absolute great pedigree with that player. She's had WSL experience with, um, with Yeovil Town. She's had a couple of years with uh, Southampton. She is one of the fastest, hardest working strikers that you'll ever hope to see. And, um, and she can finish as well. She can finish. Um, she's strong, powerful. And to try and defend against those two is not a welcome prospect. And um, if you're playing against Portsmouth and you've got a fit Tamsin de Bunsen in there, for me, that the Pompey's front three would be the best strike force of uh, both divisions. But um, sadly, we could only pick two. And um, Tam knows well that she's obviously sort of battled injury on and off this season. Um, so filling in that last place for me up front is going to be Ipswich Town's Natasha Thompson. Um, while Natasha's only scored uh, 15 goals, um, that probably doesn't give a fair reflection on the ability that she possesses. Um Ipswich as a whole haven't been like Southampton in the sense of they're not a team that are just walloping teams sort of five, seven, eight nil. Um, Ipswich Town, the scores have been a little bit closer. Um, and I think that's probably something that uh, they'll be looking to change next year and ultimately why they've probably just fallen short in the league. But um, yeah, that's that's 72, goal, 72 goals between uh, three players. So um yeah, we're uh, we're certainly sharing about. So um, now we've kind of seen both of them. What are you what are your first thoughts on um, who's going to win? Being uh, unbiased, or what would you think the score would be? I think high scoring is uh, is one way of putting this. Um, yeah, I mean our forward seven uh, is one hundred and thirty three goals. Your um, forward six is eighty nine goals. Um, so you know there, there is high scoring in there. Um, you look not at when you got, not when you got my four in defence there, isn't it? <laughs> I've got well, I mean that's well. what I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm wondering in the sense of does that defence because our defence to to your strike force is essentially one to one. Are is our northern side going to be forced to long range efforts? that yes, there's a lot of goals in there, but are the players going to be slightly selfish and, and always go for it them, themselves? Um, I think there's no doubt that we've got a lot of goals in there and I think it would be a great game. Um, but I think it, it is quite even. I was When we were going through the, the, the defence, it really seemed as though uh, 
the South had the upper hand, but then you got to our midfield and just the number of, of goals and, and the playmaking in there um, is really tipping it in the balance. I think from, from our point of view, from, from the North, we've really got to control that midfield and utilise those extra players in midfield mm. to uh, attack and uh, you know get down the wings, get those uh, crosses in and those shots on, on net because I think, you know, the goalkeeper. No, you're trying to put crosses in against um, Damien. <laughs> I, I, you see, I was going slightly different tactical. I, I was thinking it was going to be a really tough battling uh, 1-0 win to the north with Tammy George just playing the ball over the top, dropping onto a plate for Amber Hughes to burst through the midfit through the centre and just uh, have a have a nice uh, shot on goal and score the winning goal in the uh, 90th minute and just uh well there's a, there's a surprise nick says the two wolves <laughs> players are going to combine for the one and only goal i just because because they're, they're doing it week in week out what more do i want you know they're used to they're used to working together you see there you go not that i'm biased at all <laughs> i'd definitely pay good money to watch this match happen mm, and it, it would be good Oh, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be brilliant if it actually happened first first game of the season maybe last game of the season when injuries might not be as much of a thing or oh, this this oh, this would be superb forget your community shield yeah I, th- I think this game would be a good one and I, I'm really looking forward to uh, comments from uh, everyone with regards to how they think it will all go because I think I think it'll be absolutely fascinating maybe we'll just keep it simple and put a little little public vote out but um <laughs> I think it'll be a good little one, and um, I've had, I've definitely had fun doing this. And um, I think we should come back next year and do it, and then uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get an awesome. I'll tell you one thing I'd like to do is maybe uh, if we're a little bit uh, bored in that period between, uh, in June, waiting for the Euros, maybe we we need to sit down and look at uh, t- put a tier four side together to see if it can compete with uh, either of these. Because I tell you what, there's some there's some good players uh, there's in and around good that players in tier four. Yeah, and, and it's becoming definitely. a much tougher tier as well with. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, um, Peterborough are obviously starting to do business in that league as well. They've, um, I don't know whether that's signing professional terms with a couple of their players, but certainly they're making big announcements to the last couple of days as well with with their players. So yeah, so it's it's definitely. And they only finished mid table yeah. last year, so um, yeah, yeah. But again, I mean, you look similarly to the to the Northern and, and Previs, um you know, North and South Premier Division. You look at the. In, in tier four, I mean, you look at you know, Billericay Town won South East. They dropped you know, a total of seven points all season. In South West, Cheltenham dropped seven points all season. In the North, Liverpool dropped five points all season. You know, to go up from four into three, you've almost got to have a perfect season. Mm. Yeah. Just, just, just ask Hashtag, who yeah, nearly had a perfect, pretty much had a perfect season themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I feel for them because they, they certainly deserve to be up there. Um, I think there's an argument that um, they will feel that they're stronger than a number of teams that are uh, in that in the uh, in the Southern Division. But um, again, maybe we'll let, we'll get ourselves back together for a preview. But um, yeah, <laughs> keeping it back on to, to this season's uh, National League, we obviously have a big game coming up this weekend, and um, I think this. National League playoff to get in the championship has real scope to develop to potentially be as big as the uh, most. I think you could probably argue that outside of the con- probably even bigger than probably even bigger than the Conti Cup final. Actually, um, you probably hear my how I've changed my opinion just as I was saying it then. But outside of the uh, FA Cup final, you could probably argue that this playoff final is um, 
it's, it's certainly the, the the second biggest one-off game um, that we have in the women's football calendar. It, well, that, and for those of you that I was just going to say, it has the it, biggest impact as well because yeah, because I mean, realistic and, and you know, get on my soapbox slightly here. Conti Cup final, FA Cup final. I could predict at least one of the finalists, if not both the finalists, at the start of the season every season. You know, it'll be Chelsea, it'll be one. There'll there'll definitely be one of Chelsea, City, and Arsenal, if not both of them, in in the final. And there, and, and whereas this, there is going to be actual general. There is real sort of drama and pressure on it, and it actually, and obviously, you know, don't get me wrong, winning the FA Cup is huge. Uh, winning the Conti Cup is a big achievement, but this this changes where which huge amount of what people what division players are playing in and could well lead to um, you know sort of players going professional or things like that. I mean, obviously we've not touched on some of the younger players in both sort of Southampton and Wolves, etc., who could well at the back of this start to look at professional careers in you know in women's football on the back of this game basically. So I think it does have a huge impact on. Careers. It's, I, I mean, I think personally, it's the equivalent of the championship playoff in the men's game. Yeah, I was about, I was about to say that it feels like the the championship, even though it's to go into the second tier. I think the difference between, in terms of the media coverage and everything like that, the difference between the the championship and and the national league it, is huge. Now, personally, in terms of the uh, kind of the pyramid. I don't really think I like the playoff game in the sense that I would like to to come down and both the uh, Northern and Southern Premier winners to to go up, but that's not an FAWNL decision. Mm. Um, and you know, it, it does give us this 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 great one-off game. So I've got no issue in the principle of having the big one-off game. I think it's I think it's a really good idea to have a big one-off game at the end of the season. Northern Championships versus Southern Champions, who's who's the top dog? You know, realistically. But my issue, I, I know, you know, Chris Griefley, they that it's not the FA Women's National League decision. My issue is the fact that you've got people who could, you know, Wolves have only lost one game all season in the league. Southampton, I think, have only lost one game all season in their league. And you could well go, and at one point it looked like Wolves, you know, bar the sort of the hiccup against Burnley, we could have gone all season without losing and then we could get to a one-off game and dodgy referee decision, ball goes off somebody's backside and into the goal and that's it, we're, we've we've lost one game and that's it, we're not promoted. Whereas, Yeah, and rather, rather than facing a, you know, a, um, a Birmingham um, that have come down from the the, the Super League, you're, you're facing a Boldmere St Michael's. No, uh, no disrespect to Boldmere St Michael's, of course, but you know that's that's the difference, mm-hmm. isn't it? That uh, that that it could be. You know, put in the effort all uh, all season and lose out on the on the one game. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think personally, I don't think they'll expand the league. It, the I think they look to, ought to look to expand the championship at the end of this coming season. So. After you know, sort of whatever that is, what twenty two, twenty three season to fourteen, so you don't, so you have no one go down, two come up, and then because then that will leave um, one more year after that of the WSL TV deal, which you can do one down to keep the excitement of the WSL relegation battle and free up and sort of start to bring the teams up that way, and that's because I think what we've seen with the TV audiences is that there is interest in that, those games. 
in the WSL Sky are, are really impressed. You know, I've been surprised at how much eyes on they're getting. You know, viewing figures are bigger than rugby league. You know, so let's have those. You know, they'll the game. They need the games. They'll want more competition. You know, realistically, it was a free horse race for well, it's two horse race realistically this season for for the title. It was a two horse race for the, the relegation spot, and everyone else was sitting treading water. Um, you get two, you know, expand the league to fourteen teams with two going down. That suddenly brings a lot more teams with something to play for, um, and actual sort of jeopardy, which brings you know makes good viewing figures, and similar with the the, the championship as well. I mean, okay, yeah, it you know it was that game in the championship at the end of the last se- you know the end of the season between Watford and Coventry, huge jeopardy, you know, a huge you know, and that was excellent from a TV sort of sales pitch. But we need more of that jeopardy, you know. Realistically, ha- most of the teams were out of that relegation battle by ha- halfway through the season. Uh, and, but they weren't well, in the just chirping in there. We we're just chirping in there, so. That is part of the problem, um, which you'll see. Dem- well, Watford are quite fortunate in the sense that they've obviously got a little Premier League, Premier League money behind them. They've got um, parachute payments for the men's team coming down for them. But there are a lot of teams that they they can't just put two down because it's a it's a massive massive impact on on that first team. You could end up lo- you could end up losing a, a team that comes down from the championship and I think London Bees are a, a really great mm. example of how you'll struggle you, if you go down from the championship you've got amateur players or semi-professional quite often or if they're paid full-time they're full-time on low low relatively low wages but if they go down to the National League they're likely to be unpaid um, unless they've got a big club behind them like Watford could probably like retain most of their team and um, keep them on reasonably competitive um, wages, whatever that is. It probably varies uh, greatly between uh, the top earner of the squad and, uh, and the lowest earner. But if, like, look at Coventry, had they have gone down as well, I'd hate to think of what how, how many of those players they're going to be able to keep. You've then got clubs that could get ripped apart because they've got to rebuild from scratch. Mm. And then... Whether, how are you going to work it? Are you going to give them parachute payments? Is that fair to other clubs that exist in the National League? For me, the big mission from the FA is to put money into the mm. National League um, through live match coverage, more investment and more prize money. The biggest travesty is that Southampton and um, Wolves, um, to my knowledge, earn mm. zero for winning the league in prize money. Um, and that's when teams will struggle to come down. So while it's great, we could try and push clubs up the divisions and there are clubs that could hold their own. And the issue we're going to have is teams coming down and you, we've had enough losing clubs and have, having to rebuild with uh, Donny Bells, just to, just to mm-hmm. name, name another one. Um, so I think you've got to safeguard some of these teams to a degree. Which but that should I was be going to say, next, from next this coming season, from the 22-23 season, there's going to be spark the sponsorship for the championship. So there is already going to, there is always going to be though. Now, you know, if they come down, if whoever comes down will always have that, okay, might not be parachute payment and such, but they'll have more money in the bank than um, anybody else, you know, anyone in there, you know, in the, the leagues below, in the, the, the National League 
already. There's always a tiered system, so you're going to have that yo-yo impact of Watford. You know, so Watford will be favourites to go up next season because they've just come down, especially if they can keep that squad together. Yeah, yeah, um, and this is this would be the interesting thing: whether other clubs in and around the division think, right, well, let's if the, if you, if any Watford player did well, they're going to be thinking, right, well, let's go then and bring them in because you're kind of keeping the status quo a little bit, and it's a, an easy transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so who who knows? I think the championship obviously is developing really well, really nicely. Um, we could do a whole episode on the, uh, the gap between the the divisions. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll chime one sentence in on it, which now that the the women's national, the FAWNL has um, done this relegation and promotion thing and now has 12 teams per division, which is what they wanted, and you're talking two down, two down and one up. Mm-hmm. My only concern, which is a point you made, Nick, is that I wonder if these relegation battles, we've seen this year that the team at the bottom, for example, a Hounslow or the teams, the two teams at the bottom in the north, Hull and Sheffield, were so far adrift of everybody else that the relegation is going to be decided with almost a month of the season to, to go. And there we might get a lot more dead rubber fixtures towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the season. I mean, it could be that every league is very, very close next year with the teams that are coming up. We don't know, but you know, we wonder with only two going down and that massive gulf even in the leagues between teams sometimes, if it's going to make A, moving up the leagues even more difficult and B, if it's going to take some of the excitement that I've been enthralled by over the past two months each week on the show uh, away. Well, you look at the first COVID hit season in particular, um, because of how far through the season we were, Wolves were dominating that league, and and we were it was okay. We were nearly won. We had nearly won the league by March when they went into lock. When it, you know it, when football stopped, yeah. and that was there was we what must have been a f- near enough a third of the games left to go, maybe a quarter of the games left to go, and we'd already won the league. And that's that's not yeah. good for. So of course the teams in second, third, and fourth. I've got nothing and below I've got nothing to play for the teams that the sort of once they're safe are, are sitting pretty going right that's we can rest rotate sort of bring in some new players give them some game time which is great development but where's the competition yeah I mean it's particular it's as, it's as you said there's you know you win the league you're getting like no prize money it's not like you get more money coming fifth than eighth yeah so there isn't anything in terms of a club as you said, in terms of developing players and giving them game time, great. But in terms of club incentives, there's nothing to play for in those games. I mean, you've only got to look at, um, and I know we're going to move on quickly, you've only got to look at the last game of the season, Division 1 Midlands, between Lincoln City and Wem Town, because it got postponed and there was one game left. Lincoln were guaranteed to finish third. Wem Town were guaranteed to finish 10th and go down. They decided, oh, well, we'll call it a Lincoln home walkover and they gave Lincoln the three points. It was like it was a complete nothing game. Neither team could move. There was no point to it. Mm. Yeah. I think the interesting thing we'll see next year is um God forbid from your perspective, Nick, if Wolves don't get promoted, the challenge to the rest of the Northern Division is that rise up and meet those standards. Because mm. let's face it, you've got clubs within that division that have got access to a good bit of money from their men's teams. 
So actually, you could argue that that's going to be really competitive when you look at you think at what Huddersfield could put in, what Forest could put in, what Burnley could put in. Um, well, so that it could be super competitive if they really want to invest. I'm taking it away from the National League very, very, very briefly. We've had conversations um, on some private WhatsApp groups uh, with uh, Paul talking from Coventry's perspective, and he's very much thinking that a dismantling of Chelsea, either via players leaving or Emma Hayes leaving, would be good for women's football. I completely disagree. I think what Chelsea do is they raise everybody else's standard. Like Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Spurs, they could all quite easily overtake Chelsea if they really wanted to invest the money. Like we know how much money it costs to run a uh, women's football team and it's uh, it's a fraction of what it does the men's. If uh, Man United, for example, decide to let um, Pogba go, then they could probably have enough money to... Sign to sign half of the Chelsea squad, and they could they'd probably win the league if they invested that level of money or wages within their uh, playing staff. So hopefully it does raise the standard. But mm. um, we kind of flipped it over a little bit because we we did start talking about Southampton oh, Wolves. And, um, I was just before, just quickly on that last on. point. Two, there's two points I want to make with just what you said. One, I'm going to you know just Burnley are starting to go full time. So therefore, that's going to be huge, especially if Burnley stay in, men's team stay in the Premier League. That will be huge for them. And I, you know, personally, I think Burnley were the one team who I thought um, underperformed this season. I was expecting better of them or more of them, um, should I say. And I think you hit on the nail on the head there about the other point, which is that Northern League is super competitive. There are seven mm. teams there who, you know, sort of brick house upwards are really, really difficult, tough teams to play against and beat. And I think that Northern League, whoever's in that Northern League, yeah, whether it be Wolves next season, you know, fingers crossed it's not, but whoever's left in that Northern League is going to have a, a tough, tough uh, season next season again. And it's going to be, because yeah. I don't see, and with Liverpool Feds in particular coming up, because I think, you know, no disrespect to Hull, Sheffield and uh, Middlesbrough, but they were very much were the three weaker teams coming going out, and we've added uh, certain Liverpool Feds are a tough cookie. Boldmere, I, I would worry about having seen them against Wolves. Uh, we 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 beat them convincingly at their place. So it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. But I think they'll be. I mean, they'll be the one team I'd say would struggle in that league now. Boldmere and Stoke probably. But I think realistically, though, therefore there could well be ten teams fighting for one place. Uh, next season in Northern, uh, and I'll just mm. chuck my little sort of last hand grenade in before we go and talk about the uh, the, the playoff <laughs> finalists. I don't think the Southern is anywhere near as competitive. I think you've got three or four teams there, and I think that's it. I'd, 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 based on what I saw from the National League um, Cup finals day, where with witnessing Forest and Huddersfield Town. They were good. They were very good. And if they are the between the sort of like the third and fifth, sixth best team in that division, I would probably agree with you, if I'm honest. Um, I think that you could potentially look at a team that would finish fifth or sixth in the Northern League, would probably be disappointed not to finish in the top two yeah. of the Southern League. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the other thing to consider as well is that how particularly at this level the teams are made up of 
local talent it's you know we can't go down to the south coast being an amateur side and tempt a player away from you know a, a Bournemouth for example or a, or a Southampton if they don't go up up to Forest it's it's who is is local to this side I mean the teams are holding open trials so it's so difficult year on year to know which teams are going to be which teams the are going to be good contract situation the contract situation must be a nightmare for any coach in the national league come june 1st all of your play it's all up in the air um it's, it's all done on goodwill um it, yeah it's it's kind of crazy that it, but then when you're not paid it's yeah what, what exactly so that's the onus on the coach to make sure that it is a happy unit and that everyone buys into the, the, the project. Because in that sense, you keep everyone together. My hometown club, Portsmouth, they've had a real mixed season. They've had some really good results and they've had some really disappointing results. But if Jay can keep Jay Sadler can keep the squad together, then it shouldn't take great tweaks in order for them to be competing in for the top four. Um but that's the challenge. You've got to keep your squad mm-hmm. together. And with the overall quality of women's football getting stronger and stronger throughout the divisions, that's when it's only going to be a good thing. Like we're talking about how the fourth tier is getting stronger, but this is when the, the third tier should be flexing its muscles a little bit and then thinking, right, I need a striker. Just again, you're looking regionally a little bit, but then you're looking like, right, well, who's the, the top scorer? Like Boldmere, they're going to look and say, right, we've got promoted. Who is the top scorer from the next best team in the league? And think, right, well, they're going to be local enough. Let's go and try and sign them. Um, they, instead of going and thinking, right, who can we bring in from the championship? We stretch our budget. They can look and think, right, who who can we who can we bring up? Because that, it is quite appealing. Um, players are ambitious players that they rate themselves and rightly so so therefore they're going to want to compete at the highest level this is where teams like like Bournemouth for example are kind of doing well because of the facilities they have and the name that they have um, Newcastle for example as well another team obviously with a big name down there um, Queen's Park Rangers AFC Wimbledon so they've got good pedigree over some clubs that they're, they're probably fans of the men's football that probably don't probably never heard of Boldmere St Michael's and the fact they're competing in the third tier will be a bit of a, a strange one for them but when you've got these big names within the divisions they can retain players but I can the question I would ask is how long can they retain players for um, Bournemouth would have been disappointed not to have got promoted over Cheltenham um, and they would be expecting to do so next year. But if it's three years without promotion, are some of their players going to think, how long do we stay here? Yeah, They've got quality players like uh, Jade Bradley, Becky Bath, um, Kate James. And those players should be playing in the, the, the at least the third tier. Some of them would rightly be thinking that they, they could offer something to a championship club. But then I come back to the point I said earlier, if they're enjoying the project, they're getting good facilities, being respected by the women's club and the men's club, then why would they necessarily want to move? Bournemouth men have been doing great work with, um, not, not amalgamating is the wrong word, but um, celebrating the, the women's team. So we, those of us that have been involved in women's football long enough will know that there is an abundance of players that have dropped down the divisions because they value happiness 
um, within the club setup that they're in. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. But, um, again, I, I come back to the other point of um, who's going to win. So oh, there's the easy answer to that one, but I'll let Chris go first. <laughs> my, my gut instinct says that Southampton will win it. Um, I think as a overall squad... They have just been, I mean, you go into every single game. And I mean, as you said, I mean, you know, all fair credit to, to Wolves who have come for all the difficult games we've spoken about earlier on the, in this episode and, and they've won them all. You look at Southampton and I remember, I remember looking at the running. I mean, they came from a long way back because of um, having all their their games postponed. And you go, well, they're going to win that game and they're going to win that. And sure enough, they put five or six past every single week. And I mean, you know, we know how strong of a side Huddersfield are. We've spoken about it and they, uh, you know, with relative ease in the end, uh, managed to to get past Huddersfield. So I think Southampton will uh, will take the win. I think from a, a league point of view, I think certain people on the on the board are, are secretly hoping that it's Southampton that go up considering uh, that it's Watford that have come down. So we don't need to do a bit of uh, a realignment shuffling. Um, but I think it's certainly going to be a really good game. And uh, for, Chris, for those aren't aware, um, do you want to just make them aware of uh, that scenario and how it affects the leagues? Yeah. So we don't know a hundred percent what's going to happen yet, but because of the league's desire to go to 12 teams, if it's, uh, wolves that go up you've got 13 teams in the south and 11 teams in the north um, so to make it 12 each it seems to make most sense to take the northernmost team from the southern division and move them into the northern division uh, that northernmost team being MK Dons um, and putting MK Dons in the north position and that will leave basically everybody in the south southern premier division south of the M4 pretty much, um, yeah. which you know would sound like a, a long trek, but because you've lost Middlesbrough out of the north, the longest journey would be 190 miles. Um, and the longest journey this year was 167 up to Middlesbrough from, from West Brom. So it, it wouldn't be that much different. Um, and I think it could be done. Um, so... But I think it would make it a bit, uh, you know, it'd be a bit tough on MK Dons doing a, a long trek, uh, you know, quite a bit. Just, just, sorry, um, just to, just to kind of... chuck in something else interesting in that one as well. MK Dons are technically further south than came, the two Cambridge teams, where, or where the two Cambridge teams play. But the two Cambridge teams play in the South East League as well. So they're... They're they're playing in the Southern League, even though they're further north than MK, who now playing could well be playing in the Northern League. I mean, yeah, it's uh... yeah. I mean, that's just obviously all the ways that they go. I mean, I think we might see some switching between Southeast and Southwest, given that you've got Chichester that have come down, you've got Moneyfields that have come up, but now you've got teams that are going to be in South East that are further. West than some of the teams that are already playing in Southwest, so we might see some swapping um, there. But I think it will be. A, I think it will be a close game. I think it will be a very good game. But I think Southampton are going to edge it. Chris, Chris, Chris. Go on, you, you, go next, you go next, Nick, and I'll be. I'll um. I'll I'll sandwich. I'm the neutral here, so I can just say what I want. Yeah, I, 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 well, I, I, I will agree with you. I, I live in I live in Portsmouth, so I should. I mean, I live in Portsmouth, so should I be considered a neutral? But we'll, we'll touch on me later. So well, go well, on. I will, it, 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 in summary, I agree with Chris. It will be a bloody tough game. 
um, it is going to be really, really difficult. It's no, both teams will play very good football. I am thinking we'll sneak it two one. That's my prediction on that podcast from the other day. Um, I think it's yeah. It, there's only going to be a goal in it. It could well go to extra time. Um, I know the Saints fans don't want it to go to ports, uh, go to penalties um, because they they've not won a penalty shootout all season. Um, don't technically neither of us, but that's we won't mention that too loudly either. Um, but yeah, I think it. I think it'll go to extra. I've, I could see it going to extra time and being a two-one victory for for Wolves. Um, that's my personal. I hope not, because I've got a 40th birthday, um, which is why I can't go up to the match myself. So I'm I'm devastated that I uh, I can't it's be fine. there. It's fine. You can um, watch on the red button. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say you can watch. <laughs> oh, Did I say wow. that out loud? Sorry. I blame Tom Gary. Honest, by, yeah. the time, by the time that this goes out, I'd hope that would be announced anyway. Yeah, so let, let's just say yeah. So it's been t- well. We know it's we know it's going to be televised somewhere. We, we're going to be looking at the FA Player or the BBC Red button. So either way, I'm going to be able to watch it on my TV and not my laptop, which is uh, which is really nice. Yeah, for for, um, um, for clarity, we're recording this on Monday night <laughs> to go out on Friday, which is why we've said all that. Yeah, we'll we'll, take, we'll put a couple of examples in, and I'll I'll edit it. So uh, I'll edit it. I'll edit well, it accordingly. I, I'm, I'm going to blame, blame, I'm blame Dodger journalists from the Telegraph breaking news stories. That's all. Oh, I'm here we go. No, it's true. Tom Gary did. He broke it. He did. He did. Hey, he, he won our award last year for the sports writer of the year. Excellent so um, yeah, he's, <laughs> well, but, well, if he, if if he's if he's wrong, he ain't winning there it this go. year. There you go. Tom, no pressure. Um, so my my quick little point on the uh, player final I do lean towards Southampton winning but to give Nick a little bit of hope I do think Southampton are beatable Mm. Um, I think it really depends how they approach the game I've seen a number of games um, most notably uh, the the South Coast Derby when they uh, play Portsmouth at Fratton Park Mm. Southampton I think if they went for the jugular at the beginning um, went all out attack I think they'd have won it quite comfortably, but they didn't. They actually played, defensively would be the wrong word. I wouldn't even call it a mid-block. I would just say that they approached it quite patiently, but it it wasn't until about the 83rd or 84th minute that they scored the goal in a 1-0 win. Um, They do have great belief in themselves within Saints, um, and they just they believe rightly so that if they just keep doing their job, keep doing their job, chances will come and they will score. And this season has shown that that, that is what happens. But if they're playing cautiously and not wanting to overcommit, that could open the door for um, Tammy George to play that lofted ball over through to Amber Hughes and to, to finish like you described earlier. So. While Saints, I would put a slight favourites. Um, I, I do think they will be beatable for Wolves. I think nerves could creep into it. Um, Southampton do have a very young side, a very talented side, but they do have a young side. I can see a game where potentially the most important player could be the likes of um, Laura Rafferty and Lita Rutherford. Um, Lita Rutherford was one player that nearly snuck into my team because she's just been so influential. She's been there. She's done that. Um, to say she's a veteran is unfair because she's, it's not like she's anywhere near past it or anything like that. She's got loads to give for for a fair, fair time yet. Um, she's been absolutely quality and she, players like her could have a, a big impact. Um 
Southampton have got a, a very good keeper in um, Kayla Rendell, but she's relatively untested. Um, reason being is because teams don't get a chance to get many shots up against her. So while I do rate her as a goalkeeper and I think she's got a good future, I'm reliably told that Man United have been have asked about her in the past and she's turned it down because she believes in the project there. But when you spent the last four seasons if you're lucky, facing three or four shots a game, and the majority of them have probably been shots from distance, then how tested are you going to be? Um, but if she if if she's not saving them, she can go up the end and score them. So as we, we know from the, from the FA Cup. So it really is going to be fascinating. And I think the real heartbreak is that, that both teams deserve to go up. But as hashtag... United can tell you, um, not every team that deserves to go up does go up. So uh, it, it's going to be a great game. Um, we're obviously going to be plugging it as much as we can um, because we want as many people to watch it as possible because it will be a great advert for the National League. And hopefully where you quite often see fans will travel large distances to go watch WSL games, um, actually they've probably got a National League side on their doorstep that would uh, welcome them in open arms. And um they'd be impressed with the quality of football on display there. So, um, yeah, we shall wait and see. So we've got um, two close Southampton votes and one close Wolves vote. So uh, we will wait and see. Um, either way, that uh, there's there's yeah, there's going to be a team that are going to be um, devastated. But just as we are 10 seconds away from hitting the hour and 20-minute mark, um, I said at the very beginning, I always aim to have uh, 20 minutes of content. If we can hit 40, that's fantastic. <laughs> So um, we've absolutely smashed all of that. So uh, I'll try and wrap it up by um, thanking you both for uh, for coming on and spending some time with me. Hopefully we can get a little bit more content out next year and we'll get to speak to you both. And hell, if you ever need a guest um, on, on your YouTube show uh, or the, maybe maybe I've got more of a face for radio, so maybe it might be more <laughs> of a face with, uh, with, uh, with Nick's, um, then, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get together. But what I'll do is if I just hand over to you guys to kind of signpost everyone to where they can find you and your respective projects. Um, so if I start with Chris. Uh, yeah, so on YouTube, uh, just search for the Women's uh, Football Chat or just search for my name on YouTube. My, my channel will come up, uh, episodes 6pm on a Tuesday uh, or on Twitter as well as a good place to find it, uh, at Chris underscore Gadsby. Yeah, Nick? We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, all at, at the Wolves Women Pod, at Wolves Women Pod. We're also on email, wolveswomenpodcastoutlook.com. Um, so yeah, do drop us a, a line, do drop us a tweet, and, and give the uh, podcast a listen to on all your favourite podcasting pr- platforms. Are we showing our ages that none of us are on TikTok, or is it just the fact that we can't? Be I, 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 I've not got the figure for TikTok or the, the face for TikTok. I, I'm, I'm not sure my show would really suit TikTok. Five seconds. <laughs> I, 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 I could do the live draws on on TikTok. I could do that. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But thank you again for everyone for listening. Um, We will be uh, covering the Euros in uh, quite a lot of detail and uh, maybe we'll get both of you guys back on somewhere for for that, hopefully. Um, But yeah, we've we've had far too much of your time as it is (laughs) at one hour, 21 minutes. And if I'm searching the metrics, most of you have probably switched off now. So um, 71 blog, you know where to find us. Thank you to you both again. And um, I look forward to hearing the public's views on our teams take care cheers bye bye
catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 